This lesson is about thinking through the impact of choosing the wrong or right business premises for your business. The entrepreneurial mindset is often extremely bullish, which can result in big thinking and big ideas. And this state of mind can lead to big financial decisions being made. The opposite is also true. Sometimes we find ourselves in a lull where our mindset is much more conservative. What are the implications of these when making the business premises decision? I'm Gareth Armstrong, and in this Razor's Edge podcast, we explore exactly this. Now, certainly before COVID, the norm when taking on a business premises was a three to five year lease. That meant that you had to choose the size of your premises for the next three years. But really, who knows how big or small you're going to be in the next three years. You've got wonderful Excel spreadsheets that tell you your revenue growth over the next three years. You have probably worked out how many employees you're going to have in the next three years based on that growth, that financial growth on the Excel spreadsheet. But you're quite pragmatic and you know that Excel spreadsheets are just hypotheses and very often lies. And it's unlikely that you're going to have an accurate idea of how many employees you're going to have. Opportunities are going to present in the next three years and obstacles are going to present in the next three years. Opportunities might increase the number of staff that you will have and obstacles might reduce the number of staff you will have. So how can you tell? You cannot anticipate what these opportunities are and you cannot anticipate what these obstacles or challenges might be. If you take on a small premises which has a capacity for you to grow to five or six people, for example, and you've got a three to five year lease, then you're in trouble if you start exceeding that amount of people. Where do you put them? If you take on a premises that can take on 25 people and you start off with just a few of you and you don't get to 25 people, you effectively are overpaying for rental, which has a double effect. Not only does it reduce your efficiency, but it also reduces your profitability, which reduces your ability to market, which reduces your ability to grow. But if you do grow and you have a small premises, then you have the problem of actually trying to cancel your lease, move out of your premises and move into another bigger premises. And then you start the cycle again as to what size is the next premises. How much growth am I going to have in the next three years? Same problem. You don't know. This series is all about learning from the lessons of others. More specifically, learning from the successes and failures that Alon Reyes, CEO of Racecorp, has experienced over the last 20 years. It's worth reflecting on that Alon is bringing this consideration of business premises up as one of his 20 lessons. What does this tell us about us? And why does this decision matter as much as it does? We've just heard that the choice of business premises can have a direct impact on our growth, both on our thinking around it and the reality that is unfolding as we push our businesses forward. Now, a very elegant solution has evolved in the market, which is flexible workspace. And full disclosure and transparency here, I am involved as a shareholder in a flexible workspace business called TBE. But flexible workspace is a solution for growing businesses to try and solve that problem because they can take one office and as they expand they can then take a second and a third 
And then it, there is some point in the growth where it's more cost effective to leave the flexible workspace and then have your own premises. And by that point in time, you've got a better understanding of your growth cycle and your growth projections. And it'll definitely be more accurate in three to four years than it would be at the start of a business. So a flexible workspace is, is definitely a solution. But with the advent of COVID, work from home, which once again, full disclosure, I'm very against, is another option that many businesses have used to try and solve this problem. Just to put in my five cents worth as to why I'm against it is because I feel that you don't have the opportunity to build culture, you don't have the ability to build a team, and communication is incredibly difficult in a work-from-home environment, especially in a startup. But it is an option, and we have to put that on the table. And what you could say is that when we get to five or six employees, then we will move into a flexible workspace or into at least premises. You just might find it quite difficult to get those employees who are used to working from home to come in. There are more options than ever before for housing and building your business. But are you beginning to see the complexity behind the decision? Growth can be hindered. Your business's bottom line can suffer if there is no growth. How do you build a culture if your team is online or off-site? How do you deal with the dynamics of work from home? Does a hybrid approach work? And how do we make smart business premises decisions if this is the case? Here is Alon sharing what he believes is the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make around business premises and some additional points we can add to the items we have just listed. The biggest mistake that startup businesses make is actually taking on too much space and overcapitalizing on that space. I've done it. The businesses I've invested in have done it. And the level of wastage and the effect on profitability and future growth is actually more impactful than people realize. There's so many things that go on when you've got more space that is overcapitalized, and I'll come to that just now, than if you've got less space. If you've got more space, you are going to be paying more rental, which is going to impact your profitability. That profitability is going to impact your ability to market and hire more people for growth. And so there's a lower probability of growth. And a bigger premises needs to be furnished. A bigger premises needs to have decor. A bigger premises has effectively more immovable fixtures such as drywalling, air conditioning, paint, carpeting, tiling, lighting, and so on. So the bigger the, your premises, the more wasted you have on these immovable fixtures and fittings. I remember when I set up my first Rosecorp offices that we had 22 doors. And doors are really, really expensive. And in our lease agreement, when we left, we could not remove any fixed items in the premises. And I went to the landlord and I said, what are you going to be doing with the space after we leave? And he said, we're going to gut it. And I said, do you mind if I take our doors with? And he just looked at me and said, okay, you can take them. If you come to our Rosecorp head office today, which is more than 20 years later, then you will see the same 22 doors in our current premises. I've moved these 22 doors with me wherever I've moved. Some of it is sentimental and some of it is actually financial. Doors are expensive. I never realized how expensive doors are. 
But when you are looking at your beautiful premises and it's all very sexy, you don't think about these things. But when you have to set up your new premises and you have to do the kit out or fit out for that new premises, you realize how expensive all these items are. Now most landlords, when you take on a lease, will provide you with what they call a TI or tenant installation. And you need to negotiate with your landlord to ensure that you get a TI of between one and three months, depending on the term of the lease. And that means that, that the value of one to two to three months of your lease agreement is used as fit out for your new premises. Many entrepreneurs make the mistake of not negotiating a TI with their landlord. So do that, negotiate a TI. I love how Alon highlights something as seemingly mundane as doors as a way to illustrate the hidden costs and knock-on impact of taking on office space or business premises. What Alon wasn't mentioning were the hundred other items that were loaded up and moved along with these doors. It's a wonderfully revealing test. If we're not thinking to this level of fine detail, we may just be making a mistake if we are rushing to sign on some or other dotted line. The lesson I've learned over the last 20 years around moving premises, if you are taking on a leased space, is that an industrial look is the best look. It saves you money, it can be done quite effectively, and then do it in a piecemeal pace as the business grows. Use the raw structure, the raw bones of the building, and try not overcapitalize on adding fixtures and features into that space and eventually after two to three years you have fitted out this business slowly with the look and feel that you want. If I were going to spend any money on design and decor I would try and find a good interior decorator and give them the brief that I have no money what can you do. My lesson learned over the last 20 years is that when you're looking for this interior decorator don't find an established interior decorator. Find a startup interior decorator, somebody who's been doing it for a few years. Not only will they empathize more with where you are, but they will realize that they can grow with you as you move from premises to premises. So look for a startup interior decorator as part of your growth process to ensure that you can have a, a look and it doesn't cost you your growth. And it doesn't cost you your growth. No statement made during this conversation carries more weight than this. Here's a final word from Alon. So what I'm saying here in this lesson is that you need to be conservative in your approach to premises. Don't waste your money on decor and fittings and furnishing when you don't have to. And I see it. I see it all the time. I see it with entrepreneurs all the time. They have this need to be in a very sexy space that looks like Apple or Google, and they can't afford it. And that has a huge impact on their survival rate. So the auctioneers are happy. They get nearly new furniture and fittings on auction, but the entrepreneur ain't. Head over to racecorp.com where you'll find similar resources to this one and also the opportunity to sign up for notifications to stay updated on new releases. In addition to this, follow Racecorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find additional updates about this podcast series and others we are producing. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in Lesson 10.